Hey everyone and welcome back to another edition of Catfish Corner. I'm John Garcia and joining me from the Valley in Arizona is Adam Vingen. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, John. How are you? Doing fantastic. So really not much has changed in Preds land. Uh, their winning streak ended uh, this past Saturday with a shootout loss against the Devils, but otherwise they're still picking it up right where they left off with the first period blitzkrieg against the Jets to increase their lead in the Central Division. What about that first period? That was just about everything that you could ask for from a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. I think if you were to be asked to describe or show what the Nashville Predators look like when playing at full volume, for lack of a better term, take that first eight-plus minutes of the game against the Winnipeg Jets, and that was the perfect example. They were relentless. They were swarming the Jets, who, keep in mind, did play the night before against the Washington Capitals, so they had to travel to Nashville, and they were also missing several key regulars due to injury. So that caveat aside, the Predators did what any good team does and took advantage of the situation. They were smothering in the offensive zone. They scored two shorthanded goals on the same penalty kill, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point on this podcast. It was the first time in Predators history that they've accomplished that feat. And even though they got away from it a little bit in the, over the course of the rest of the game and allowed the Jets to maybe creep back in, even though they only did score one goal, that aside, when you look at the way this team has been playing, it's very hard to come up with areas of improvement without doing some serious nitpicking. You know, we'll leave that to the players to do because after the game, while they were certainly happy to A, beat the Jets and increase their lead in the Central Division and pretty much lock up the Central Division, barring an epic collapse, B, overtaking the Tampa Bay Lightning for first in the NHL by tying them in points, but they had a better points percentage because they had played one fewer game. Despite those things, they were happy to talk about those, but they also pointed out unprompted that they kind of let them, the Jets creep back into the game, as I said, in terms of starting to wrangle momentum away and make the game more even. Because after that 10-minute onslaught, it was fairly even the rest of the way in terms of game flow. But as you said, John, it's, it's very hard to find reasons to complain about what the Predators have been doing, and it's hard to describe their winning ways without repeating ourselves. So they have a big road trip here. I mean, Arizona has been eliminated from playoff contention, but they've played incredibly well. I think they have 11 or 12 wins in their past 15 games. And an interesting quirk, as long as I've been on this job, which is now just over three years, I've actually never seen the Predators win a game in Arizona. So it should be a very good game against the plucky Coyotes team and then tomorrow in Colorado against the team that they're projected to play in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs if the playoffs were to start today in the avalanche. So good tests on this back-to-back on the road. Yeah, and I want to ask you real quick about a story that you wrote earlier today. But first, uh, is Austin Watson just going to be asking all of his teammates to be taking penalties now so that he can score 30 goals in a season? Right. Uh, he is a shorthanded goal-scoring dynamo. He has four shorthanded goals in his past 15 games. I believe that's second most in the NHL. And not to be outdone, Victor Arvidsson, who pumped in a, another shorthanded goal about 30 seconds later. I believe he now has eight shorthanded goals since the start of last season, which, which is the most in the NHL. And I was curious about how the Predators' penalty kill uh, is set up to allow for such offensive success uh, because, you know, you don't normally count on that unit to score as many goals as it has recently. And it's just about the way that they play uh, aggressive in the defensive zone because a lot of times power plays are stationary 
there's not a lot of movement while the penalty killers are the ones that have to skate from side to side and up and down. So when turnovers are created, they're already in a position to start scooting up the ice the other direction. And the Predators' aggressiveness in terms of penalty killing and, and reaching certain uh, points to create turnovers, they're already putting themselves in a good position to go the other way on the rock. That word aggressive is a perfect way to describe it. And that's something uh, the New Jersey Devils, who have been an incredible penalty killing team for decades, it seems like, and I think they're doing it again this year. They are one of those teams that they're they're always attacking the puck carrier and they're not just content with staying in the box and letting the opposition dictate the power play. They're going after the puck carrier and trying to force turnovers and force mistakes. And you can you can see how Arvidsson got around and got free right in front of Michael Hutchinson. Like that's what the Predators do and it's leading to a lot of success. Yes. And uh Sort of going back to our first uh, talking point, when your shorthanded unit is unstoppable offensively, you know, there isn't much to complain about. It's been, I think they've actually outscored uh, opposing power plays over the last segment of games, which is just remarkable when you think about it. But just another player stepping up uh, in, in a time where you need those unheralded players, for lack of a better term, to, uh, to produce, who you know, really shouldn't have the unheralded label because he was a first-round draft pick. You know, has re- really started to realize his NHL potential this season, I think. Uh, he's just, it's been incrementally better over the course of the season. You know, he's a player that, if this team is to win the Stanley Cup, is going to have to play a large role, and you're seeing how valuable he can be over the past several weeks. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what the Predators wanted when they drafted him several years ago. Uh, now, you mentioned that you've never seen a Predators win in Arizona. Is that correct, as long as you've been on the beat? Uh, I, I can't I can't remember ever seeing a Predators win in Glendale, Arizona. And so, and you also mentioned how the Coyotes are playing a lot better as of late. They had a, uh, if I recall correctly, NHL worst starting in like the history of the league at a uh, oh, 10, ten and one, one right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they've played uh, a lot better. Coach Rick Tockett has got his players playing well. The rookies that they have are are uh, coming up very well. I think I saw a stat that they've scored about sixty eight of the one hundred and sixty five goals that the Coyotes have scored so far this season, which is second worst in the NHL. And Peter Laviolette now is starting to rest his players. He's been doing this for uh, a couple of weeks now, even though he calls it maintenance days, not rests. And you spoke to him and the players about that. What's their mindset as far as uh, resting these players and kind of shifting the lines around and getting everyone in and out and all over the lineup? Well, it definitely started after the trade deadline. Uh, the first game that the Predators chose to do this was against the Vancouver Canucks on their last road trip. Uh, you know, with the amount of players that they had after the deadline, acquiring Ryan Hartman from the Chicago Blackhawks, getting Mike Fisher back into the fold as an active member of the roster. Now, they had a lot of players for not enough spots. So from where the Predators were in the standings, you know, Peter Laviolette decided that he had the luxury to rotate guys in and out of the lineup, guys that normally would not sit out of the lineup, like Roman Yossi, Craig Smith, Kyle Turris, Kevin Fiala, players uh, of their respective calibers. And it's really with maintenance in mind. Uh, and these players, if these were to be playoff games, would be prepared to play. But with their standing comfortable in the Western Conference, you can have the ability to sit out a banged-up player for a game, let him heal up a little bit more so that when the playoffs start, Next month, they're in a better situation health-wise, which is, of course, 
you know, something that plagued the Predators that they were able to almost overcome last season, losing Kevin Fiala to a broken leg and Ryan Johansson to acute compartment syndrome. It's also forced LaViolette to change up his line combinations and defensive pairs. And I went back and counted, you know, the starting lines based on pregame warm-ups uh, over the previous six games. And Peter LaViolette has started 12 different forward line combinations in those six games. Um, the only line that has remained constant throughout is the top line of Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson. At least each other line has had at least one or two shakeups over the course of the past two weeks. And it hasn't had any impact on this team because they continue to win and collect points, which I think speaks to uh, the depth that they have and the skill that they have and the experience that they accrued last season. I asked Philip Forsberg about it the other day. Now, why is this team better positioned for the playoffs at this point of the season than it was last year? And he said because everyone's more experienced from going through it. Uh, the additions that they've made to the lineup over the course of the summer in the season, Scott Hartnell, Nick Benino, Kyle Turris, Ryan Hartman, uh, have fit in seamlessly, and they're just an overall better team than they were heading into the playoffs last year. And I, and I can't find any reason to disagree with that. Not at all, especially when you think of uh, about this point last year where they were still just fighting to get into the playoffs. Now they're, it's looking like they possibly could win the President's Trophy as the best team in the NHL. I'm sure that there are a couple of Predators fans wincing at the thought of that because of the so-called President's Trophy curse. But if you were to look at all of the teams who qualify for the playoffs, the President's Trophy winning team has about roughly a 25% chance to go on and win the cup, which is vastly higher than anyone else. And I mean, if you're going to pick one team to win the Stanley Cup, obviously the person that you're betting against is going to pick the field because they have a much larger chance of winning. But there's something to be said about home ice advantage all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I mean, in my estimation, the Predators are going to win the Cup this year. I'll go on record and say that right now, even though it's March 15th. You've mentioned it a few times before. I've mentioned it a few times before. They said at the start of the season, they want home ice. And that is the most important thing that they were looking at. And they could have it all the way through the end of the playoffs. Do you know the last time that a President's Trophy winning team won the Stanley Cup in a full 82-game season? Uh, was it the 1997 Detroit Red Wings? Uh, it was the 9, It was the 2007-2008 Detroit Red Wings. Ah, I got the team won the right. Won the Stanley Cup. And that, yes, in 1997-98, the Dallas Stars actually won the President's Trophy. I have the list in front of me. But you go back to the last couple of years... You know, the Washington Capitals have won the past two President's Trophy and lost in the first round, excuse me, lost in the second round to Pittsburgh in each of those seasons. The New York Rangers won in 2014-15, lost in the conference finals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The year before that, the Boston Bruins lost in the second round to the Montreal Canadiens. The Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup as the President's Trophy winners during the lockout shortened season of 2012-2013. So that's the last time a President's Trophy uh, winning team won the Stanley Cup. But if you want to use the 82-game season reference, it's been more than a decade. It's been a decade since the President's Trophy winning team won the Stanley Cup in a non-lockout season. Yeah, and you could even go, if you wanted to skew the numbers a little bit, you could talk about the uh, 2011 Vancouver Canucks, who won the President's Trophy. Yeah, lost in the Stanley Cup in a 3-0 Game 7. I still think that when you're looking at the Predators, regardless of whether they win the Stanley Cup or not, they're primed to make a huge impact in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But they do want that home ice advantage because of how dominant they are at home. Yes, um, 9-2 they went at home last season in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The only two losses 
Game 4 of the Western Conference Final against the Anaheim Ducks and, of course, the Stanley Cup clinching victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins in Game 6 at Bridgestone Arena. The team was nearly impossible to beat at home. Now imagine how good that team could be when they have home ice advantage. I think players even realizing directly after they lost the Stanley Cup Final that you know, they wanted to be put in a position where they were hosting those big games. You know, from the first day of training camp all the way back in September, it's hard to believe that training camp started roughly six months ago. They talked about how home ice advantage, as you said, John, was the most important thing. It's been coming out of their mouths since September, and they're in position to do that. You know, by winning the Central Division, they'll have home ice advantage throughout at least the first two rounds. You know, if they're able to win the uh, Western Conference, which it looks like they're going to, that's three rounds. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights got, uh, you know, blitzed by the New Jersey Devils last night. Uh, the Knights have sort of started to slip a bit. Um, they'll still make the playoffs, but they're certainly not looking as dominant as they once did. Yeah, and injuries play a factor in that ago. as well. Yes, of course. The Predators have been, you know, blessed, um, you know, not having too many serious injuries. Of course, Ryan Ellis missed the first half of the season, recovering from off-season knee surgery. Philip Forsberg missed 11 games, if I believe. That's the right number around mid-season, and they barely skipped a beat without him. And then, of course, he was suspended for three games, and they didn't seem to have a problem with that either. Uh, we're still awaiting any update on Callie Yarncroke, who left the game against the Jets. Uh, and the Predators did not practice on Wednesday, so no update was provided. But the morning skate here in Arizona starts within the hour, so hopefully I will have more information at that point. They know they have the depth to withstand that as going back to our previous conversation about the rotation of the lineup. Uh, you don't want to lose any players at this time of the year, but the Predators have the caliber of forwards, particularly to minimize the impact of any forward that may you know, be besieged by injury. All right. Now, wrapping up the podcast here, I just wanted to uh, give a quick update on everyone's favorite Pecorine for Vesna. I, I'm sure that you have his stats maybe in front of you or off the top of your head. Uh, his arch nemesis of the season, Andre Vasilevsky, I have his stats in front of me right now. Not doing so hot recently. Uh, in his past nine games, which are all starts, he has a 3.96 GAA and an 894 save percentage. There is a little bit of recency bias, I believe, when uh, the GMs go to vote, um, even though they're supposed to look at the entirety of the season. But if you were to look at the entirety of the season for both of these goaltenders, Andre Vasilevsky might have a little bit of a notch, you know, ahead of Pecorino at the beginning of the season, but Rene has played consistently well across the board, and I think that he's edging out Vasilevsky for that award right now. I do, and, and there was an interesting article on sportsnet.ca uh, by Andrew Berkshire, who, you know, dabbles in uh, advanced analytics and does a great job of doing so in a way that can be digested by those who understand that and those like myself who are a bit uh, less mathematically inclined. And he had some great numbers, and I wanted to share a certain segment of his story. You know, he mentioned that uh, there has been a change in the amount of high-danger scoring chances Rene has faced this season in terms of the Predators maybe allowing a few more. And then he goes on to say, quote, and yet Rene is running away with the league lead in stopping shots. A big reason why he has been able to manage that extra pre-shot movement is he's giving up fewer rebounds with a league-leading 41.5% of shots that produce no rebound at all and a league-leading 46% of perimeter shots that don't provide any follow-up chances. That rebound control limits second-chance opportunities for opponents, and especially with the perimeter shot, it means re- perimeter shots. It means Rene is keeping most of those chances that aren't dangerous from becoming so. And you've noticed that. Uh, you know, he seems to swallow a lot of the shots. He doesn't give up too many rebounds. And when he does, 
it doesn't, you know, he's not uh, misplaying them. They're not being dumped right in front of the crease where he's going to have to make that second or third chance save. A lot of times he's able to knock them into the corners or out into the uh, out into the half wall where maybe the the chances aren't as dangerous and his teammates can take the puck and go with it the other way. I just thought that added a different perspective to how good he's been this season and thinking back to watching him play while also using that information that Andrew shared, I can certainly see an improvement that in, in that area. Yeah, 100%. And it's also interesting, the point about allowing more high danger chances and saving those. It's incredible when you think about uh, a lot of people who may want to say that Vasilevsky is better, that Rene is masked by his defense because of how good the Predators defense is. But if they're allowing more high danger scoring chances and he's saving them, I think that adds a little bit more credit to his ability. So, Adam, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us. Enjoy your time in Glendale. Hopefully you'll see your first win over there in the Valley. And we'll talk to you next time, all right? You can follow Adam at Adam Vingen and me at jgarcia36. Adam, have a great day. You too, John. Thanks for chatting again.